Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here today. How many like daylight savings time? Let me see your hand. Ooh, not me. How many don't like daylight savings time? Boy, both hands, both feet. I, I don't know where my hour of sleep went, but I, I, it was so bad for me, I had a nightmare about church one day this week. No, it's true. Yesterday morning, I woke up in a panic at 6 o'clock, and I thought I'd overslept and missed church. Now, my wife's in Haiti on the missions trip there, and, and I don't know if it's daylight savings time or what, but in my dream, it was so vivid, I, I, I woke up and I realized I had missed church, and I had been working in my garden. I had my grubbies on, and I saw myself walking in front of the, of the, of the pulpit, having my little church clothes like this, embarrassed that I was late, but I am really glad that I'm here with you this morning, and uh, God's a good God. Turn your Bibles this morning, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. We're going to pick up where we left off last Sunday. Probably the most impacting scripture of my entire life is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. When I was a boy, I kind of thought the Bible was a factual book, a historical book, just to learn the way that it was. But I've come to understand that the Bible is a book that teaches us how to connect with God, how to have relationship. And this is the passage that guided me through my early years when I was in the military, going on one airplane, trains all over the country, all over the world, just seeing things and not knowing a soul. This is what guided me. Perhaps you know it this way. The Message Bible says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. And don't try to figure everything out on your own. I mean, you know, sometimes life doesn't make sense, and sometimes it seems like God may be on a vacation. So if life's like that, you go and trust. Don't let your mind play tricks. But listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that's going to keep you on track. Now, maybe you know it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him, and God will direct your paths. So last week we talked about God being a, a God that will supernaturally guide us. There's a sovereign sense of God's guidance, even though we don't see it at work. Even though we may not know that God's working, uh, He's involved in the intricacies of our life. We saw this last week through the birth of Moses. And you may recall when Moses was born, he was in Egypt, his people were slaves. The Pharaoh had made a rule that all the male children would be killed. He was very intimidated by the Jewish people. They'd become so numerous. And uh, Moses was born. His mom knew there was a grace on his life. She hid him for three months. And after three months, she couldn't hide him any longer. And she put that baby in a little uh, reed basket and pushed him in the Nile River, and guess who found that baby? The only person, come on, the only person in the world who could save that child's life, Pharaoh's daughter. Now, the world would call it luck or an accident. Listen, we call it the divine hand of God, the sovereignty of God guiding our life. Well, this verse is about that, trusting in God with all your heart, not just trying to figure it out when it doesn't make sense, but doing what he says listening to his voice, and God promises to direct us. Well, we illustrated it last week with a canoe. And you may recall the, the green part of the stage up here was the bank. And uh, here up on the bank is not just where the trees and bushes are. That's where we're living life our way. We're doing our own thing. We're just kind of, we're in charge of life. But down here in the river is where we want to be. And I want you to imagine the stage is a river. And the picture of God's sovereign hand of guidance is like the current. If you go canoeing, I love to canoe, and if you just get in where the water is moving, the current will move you along, and you don't have to propel yourself. All you have to do is just use the paddle a little bit to avoid the rocks and the trees. Well, that's the way God's guidance works, and last week I challenged you to get into the river because it's the river where you're going to find God's purpose for your life, you're going to find happiness, and all the good things that God has in store as we live in this river. Well, I'm going to continue with that thought this morning, but I'm going to illustrate it with 
a little with a video about a guy kayaking through whitewater. And I want to shift just a little bit today because I'm going to suggest that whitewater or the rough water represents the challenges we face in the Christian life things that we're afraid of. Because how many know when we're following God, sometimes God will lead us to a place we don't want to go. Sometimes when we're following God, we go right into the place of difficulty and we wonder where in the world is God. But the challenge this morning is to stay in the river because how many know God will get you to the place He wants you to be? So take a peek at this. I think you'll enjoy it. And I want you to see the white water. Let it be a picture of things that we're afraid of, uh, things that we feel challenged and out of control, but yet God is the one that's always in control. Take a peek. Well... It is pretty easy to sing, don't worry, trust Jesus, when the water's smooth, isn't it? But when you're going down a waterfall on a piece of plastic, how many know it's not always easy to trust Jesus? Now, that's a picture of the way real life is. You know, we've got a team in Haiti right now, and, of course, they're filled with faith when they're going down there and just excited. And uh, I got a text message a couple days ago, and the text message said, Pastor, we don't know what to do. We're in a van. We're 45 minutes from the church, and the van is broken down, and nobody knows we're here, and we don't know what's going to happen. Don't worry. <laughs> Trust Jesus. Now, that's easy for me to say, come on, sitting here in America, but when they're down there, broken down on the side of the road, come on, and it is in a tough part of the world, let me know it's pretty hard to trust Jesus sometimes. But let me tell you, it's hard to trust Jesus if you're in a marriage you want out of. It's hard to trust Jesus if you believe God's going to take care of you and you just had to declare bankruptcy, come on. We can't divorce the challenges we face in life from the true Christian message. Church is not a place to come to to tell you there's no problems in the world and just everything's going to be okay, don't worry about it. No, church is a place to come to look life square in the face, to see how God is involved in it, and to see our place and our role to get through the rough times. And that's exactly what we're talking about this morning. Scripture says, if you'll trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't try to figure out, come on, the waterfall that's in front of you or the fact that your boat just turned upside down and you ended up right side up, but if you'll acknowledge Him in all your ways, God's going to get you to the end of your journey. So let's kind of go with that this morning. But I want you to see the white water, if you can keep that in your mind, as a picture of things we're afraid of, as a picture of our personal limitations, our feeling of inadequacy, that I just can't do it and I just can't make it. But how many know God can get us to the other side? All right, let's pick up this morning. I've entitled the message, Stay in the River. And uh, let's read the, the truth on the screen. Every, so every one of my messages, by the way, if you can try to simplify it down into just one thing that preacher tried to say that morning, the spiritual truth is what it is. And this is what I want to communicate to you. And you can say it with me. It's hard to trust God. Come on. It's hard to trust God in rough water. Trust Him anyway. I mean, no trust is a choice, and we're going to learn about it today. Let's go to Brother Moses, Exodus chapter 2. Moses found that it was pretty hard to stay in the river sometimes. Now, last week when we looked at Moses' story, he's a little boy. He's just born. We saw the supernatural hand of God. But this morning's message, we're going to jump forwards 40 years. At this time in the story, Exodus 2.15, Moses is 40 years of age. And, and, and let's think about him just a second. Moses is a guy that was raised as Pharaoh's daughter, which simply means this. He was trained by the very best in Egypt. Everything that the Egyptians knew, they taught it to Moses. Moses had the best of everything. He didn't walk anywhere. Come on, he had a chariot and it had spent, probably spinning rims, you know, like some of the kids have today. So think about Moses' chariot with gold spinning rims. When Moses played uh, sports, let's say whatever they played, 
played, let's say they played football, Moses would always score touchdowns because people were afraid to tackle him. I mean, you know, he was just, he was just uh, bigger than life. But how many know that's an illusion? And when you begin to face things that stop you in your tracks, and when you realize that I'm not who I thought I was, and I can't go where I thought I could go, if you're not trusting God, if you've not found a connection with God, you're going to pull back and get out of the river. All right, Exodus 2, verse 11. Moses had grown up, and he went to visit his own people. That's pretty cool, because for most of Moses' life, probably over 30-something years, almost 40 years, he was raised as Pharaoh's daughter, which means he was raised by the, in the pagan Egyptian culture, but he never lost his covenant connection with God and the people of God. And when he visited his own people, he saw how hard they were forced to work. And as we're condensing, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. Well, after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, he killed the Egyptian and he hid the body. And you know the story. The next day, some people find out about it. Moses is a bit afraid. And look at verse 14 because it's pivotal, pivotal in the, uh, the message today. Moses was afraid. Pharaoh now, knowing that he's not a, quote, true Egyptian, and Pharaoh has the right to take his life and he's about to do it. Moses was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did, and sure enough, Pharaoh heard what happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But what did Moses do? Yeah, he, he ran away. Because if he was afraid, he ran away. And everybody can say, I've done that too. Fear stops me in my tracks. Fear gets me out of the river. It's like Brother Moses somehow, some way, was riding with God in Egypt, but all of a sudden he said, look, that river is too much for me to handle. I'm going away. Uh, just in case somebody told you, I used the canoe earlier in the message and I punched a hole in the wall today, so that's what the cross is about. <laughs> okay. It happens. He ran away. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that Moses had some sense of his destiny from his birth. Moses knew he was to deliver the children of Israel. You remember Moses, big guy. He's the one that's going to go back one day, and he's going to literally lead the children of Israel, several million Israelites, out of the Egypt into the promised land. I mean, he's one of the greatest figures in all of the Old Testament. But at this particular point of time, he knows he's to be a deliverer. He tries to do it in his own strength, and he fails. And this is what I want you to see. If you try to do something presumptuously, how many know the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing? If you do something in your own strength, in your own ability, you try to make it happen, you're going to fail. And that's what Moses did. Moses failed, and he failed miserably, and he ran away. Now, chapter 3, verse 9. I'm going to paint a picture this morning. Let's jump ahead another 40 years. Now Moses is 80 years of age, and something dramatic has happened in Moses' life. Up at the time he's 40, I'm going to suggest to you that he was this picture of self-confidence. He was this picture of pride. He was this picture of a self-made man that could do it all, that had it all. Moses was the man. But at 80 years of age, Moses didn't think he could do a thing. Now, how many know that's good and that's bad? That's bad if you get so down on yourself and you have no hope whatsoever and you feel like taking your life. But it's good if your sense of inadequacy draws you closer to God. It's like you only have the power of a battery, but when your battery, come on, can find that uh, 120 and plug it in 110 and plug it in the wall, how many know power comes in you to recharge you? Uh, some of this is going on in Moses' life, but Moses is talking to God at a burning bush. 
Now, once again, he's encountering the presence of God. And the neat thing in the passage is, is even though Moses has gotten out of the river for 40 years, God wants him back. And this is a huge message of encouragement for all of us today because, I mean, sometimes all of us get out of the river. I mean, I'll tell you what, I like to canoe, but I don't think they could have made that video of me. I mean, I'd have pushed that little kayak into the river and I said, see you later, guy. You know, only a crazy man would do that. Which, by the way, how many people would like to do that kayaking like you saw on the, on the video? Yeah, a few brave people here. Well, have you done it? How many have actually done it? Yeah, okay. So here's my next question. Why not? Is it because, come on, don't tell me money. You do what you want to do in life. Come on, don't tell me you're too busy. You find a way. Could it be, listen, could it just be that that waterfall is a bit intimidating? Well, that's what Moses, I believe, was seeing. Well, he's talking to God at a burning bush. Verse 9, God is speaking. Behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. These Israelites are still praying. Mind you, they're in slavery. They're the one that built the great pyramids. Uh, their cries come to me. I have seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, can I tell you, sometimes the river will lead you to places you don't want to go. And Moses did not want to go back to Egypt because, you remember, Mr. Moses had an arrest warrant out for him. It had been not many years ago. Now, we don't know which Pharaoh was still in power. All we're told is the word Pharaoh, which is like the term governor or president. But bottom line, though, Moses had some fear that was still going on. As we look at Moses' life, I want you to think about this guy. If Moses would just stay in the river, see, and here's what he didn't know. If he would have just gotten his canoe back in the river, one day he's going to end up at the end of his life, and he is going to be the one that delivers the whole nation He's going to be the one that, that receives the Ten Commandments. Can you imagine going up to God in this thick darkness and encountering the God and He gives you two stone tablets and you're walking down the mountain, come on, with God's Ten Commandments. He writes the first five books of the Bible. Moses even rose, uh, was alive after his death and he appears to Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah. I'm telling you, all that was at the other end of the movie. All that was what was going to happen if he just went down that series of waterfalls. But I want to tell you, it's kind of hard to get into the river even if you know something great's going to happen. Well, Moses had all this dynamic at work, and fear was a, a huge, a hu had a huge interplay in his life. If you looked at Moses, if you did a search for Moses in the New Testament, you'd find in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, that Moses was described as a man that had faith. So now we read in Exodus, which, by the way, Moses likely was the author of the first five books of the Bible. And Moses, let me know if the author says, I was afraid. Can you pretty much take it to the bank? He was afraid. But then Hebrews said he had faith. So is it just possible that Moses was just like you and I, that he vacillated between fear and faith in his life? Could it just be that, that he was just like us? I've been a pastor a long time, and I've been to, made a lot of hospital visits, but for the first time uh, this past year, I had surgery. I had knee surgery. And I can remember when I'd go to the hospital, and I would see you, and I'd say, oh, man, God bless you. God's going to be with you. And be happy. Trust Jesus. Don't worry. And then I would go, and you would stay and have a visit with the doctor. Well, this time, I got to stay, and Linnell got to come on. She got to be the one that leave, and she said, honey, don't worry. Trust Jesus. 
Well, I was supposed to go in earlier in the morning for surgery. It didn't happen until 5 o'clock that afternoon. And I had several little anxiety attacks. Anyone ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Where in that middle of that attack, faith went out the door with my wife and fear came in its place. Well, guess what? At that point, you got to pray yourself back into faith. You can pray in the Spirit. You can reconnect with God. And I'm going to suggest in Moses' life, just like ours, there's an interplay between fear and faith. But what we're reading about right now is when Moses was in fear and he was looking at himself rather than looking at God. Now, here's how Moses responded to God. Moses responded to God at this burning bush with a number of excuses. And here's what happened. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. He gave several excuses. The first one is when God said to get in the river, he said, I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. Ushers, maybe you can help us out here. A lot of folks fanning this morning. We pay for electricity here, so turn them on. Exodus 3, verse 11. Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? In other words, Moses looked in the mirror and said, You can't do this. Have you ever done that? Look in the mirror and say, God, I don't, I don't think I can do this. But God's reply to him, and this is so key to Moses' excuse, I will be with you. Can you say that with me? I will be with you. So here, Moses said, I can't do it. But God said, I'm going to be with you. Just get in the river and face your fear. That wasn't enough. Chapter 4, verse 1, Moses said, the second excuse, I'm not someone people will believe. Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? And then you know what God did? God took his staff and God said, take that stick and drop it on the ground. And it became a snake and he pulled away from it. And then God said, little faith buddy, grab that snake by the tail. Now how many know if that's God talking, that's one thing. But most people, that's pretty stupid. And he grabbed it and it became a stick again. What God was saying is, listen, people may not believe you because of who you are, but when they see my miracles, they'll believe you. That's still not enough. Moses still making excuses. Chapter 4, verse 10. Now he says, I'm not a good public speaker. He should have gone to Toastmasters, but he didn't. <laughs> verse 10, Moses pled, or pleaded with the Lord and said, Lord, I'm not very good with words, which is simply a way of saying, I'm not smart enough to talk Pharaoh into doing letting your people go. I'm not a good communicator. Uh, I never have been and I'm not now. Interesting. If you read about Moses in the book of Acts, it says he was eloquent. And it also said that his words had power. So here Moses, fear to faith, fear to faith, but faith will take you to a place to do what you could never do on your own. And now God's reply is this, go and I will be with you as you speak. I will instruct you in what to say. So Moses tells God Almighty, I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I can't talk. I don't have the ability. And God said, listen, buddy, if you'll just get out of the way and let me do it through you, great things will happen. Now, this is the dynamic at work, and I want you to see it this way. This is when I busted the wall this morning. But I want you to see, God's trying to say, get in the river, and Moses is trying to say, I can't do it. Get in the river, Moses. No, I'm not smart enough. Come on, Moses, in the river, I'll be with you. No, I don't want to. God says, stay with your marriage, and I'll help you get through to the other side of it. I don't love her anymore. I didn't tell you to love anymore. I told her to love, you as, love her as Christ loved the church. Yeah, but I don't feel like it, Lord. I just don't want to do it anymore. Uh, maybe the Lord said, I want you to go to Haiti. I want you to go with that group. Well, I don't have any money, God. Well, I know you don't have any money, but I, I just want you to make a sacrifice. Well, I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. I want you in the river because it's going to change your life. 
And see, this is an interplay we have all the time. The Lord says, hey, I want you to go, I want you to go with jail ministry, with Brother Joe Williams one, one Sunday night. It'll just impact your life. And it'll do something to your heart when you see those men. Yeah, but I'm kind of tired and I don't want to go down there. I've got a busy week. So when I'm talking about the river, I'm not talking about always this huge, giant thing. I'm just talking about the purposes of God on a day-by-day basis. I mean, the more you say yes to God, the better life's going to get. The more you say no to God, the worse things are going to get in terms of you pursuing destiny. Well, here's Moses. He is scared to death. He's got fear instead of faith. But also, Moses is now... You remember when he went 40 years ago? He had all this, we could say, pride. But now he doesn't have any confidence at all. And can I tell you, I heard yesterday a man that I, that I know his daughter tried to commit suicide because he'd got to the bottom. And he didn't have a relationship with God. And he lost people that he loved. And he didn't have the money that he wanted. And just life just couldn't get any better. So he just decided he'd quit. You can start out up here. Come on, you're 18 years old. You're voted most likely to succeed. Everything is great. But at some point in life, you end up down here. But you know, if down here you can look up to heaven and God says, you might can do it, but I can do it through you. See, the Bible says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes God may be trying to break down our pride, our self-sufficiency, our sense that we can do it and we are the man, early on Mr. Moses, to a guy that realizes I can't do it at all. And then God bumps us up and said, but you can through me. Now, I want you to hear these next few minutes of this message because this will help you as you live your life. Because I'm going to talk, I'm going to present to you a different way to see your limitations. A different way to see your inadequacies. Because some of us don't believe we can go farther in our life, listen, because of the color of our skin, because of the education that we didn't pick up, because of the balance in our bank account, come on, because of the mistakes and the failures that we've made in life. And can I tell you, it's the devil's trick to keep you down. God can take us in our brokenness and bring us to new places in life. Let's explore this from the New Testament. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Again, I want to speak about fear, personal inadequacy. And what it does is it can make me depend on God more. Now listen to these words. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. Paul the apostle, arguably the greatest man of the New Testament outside of Christ. And he said, we think you ought to know about the trouble we went through in Asia. Now, if your belief about God is this, that if all I do is have faith and trust God, I'm never going to have any problems, you're in for a rude awakening. Because oftentimes it's the people that get in the river, come on, walking with God, that have some of the greatest trouble. But the neat thing is they find God in a greater dimension. Paul said we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Have you ever been there? It was so bad in life, I expected to die. I I couldn't take care. I couldn't buy myself out of it with my money. I was not strong enough. I didn't have the resources. I couldn't get out of the fix I was in. But unlike Moses, he said, as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God. Let me say it again. As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely on God. Can I tell you, your limitations, the boxes in your life, can be the very thing that God would use to make you depend on Him. And can I tell you, that's a good thing. 
I can tell you this, you've got, more money, you've got more faith when you have less money than when you have more money. If your checkbook is full, who needs to believe God? If your checkbook is on empty and the bills are due, how many know you'll do some praying? So what I'm telling you this morning is, see your limitations not as punishment, but see them as an opportunity to go deeper in your walk with God. See, what we're talking about here is we're talking about something called humility. And humility is simply this, it's depending on God more than I depend on myself. Humility is recognizing that everything in my life, everything I have, everything I am, everything I'll ever do, come on, is because of Him. The Scripture says in the book of Acts, it says, in Him, referring to Christ, in Him we live and move and have our being. Everything I have, everything I am, everything I can do is because of Christ. Listen, whatever you do for a living, imagine this. How could you do your job if you couldn't see? Just close your eyes just a second and you realize instantly things stop. Everything changes. And how many know there's eye diseases that the ophthalmologist can't fix? I don't care how much money you have to pay the man. At some point, you could find something that you couldn't get beyond without God. Whether it's your eyesight, how about the dexterity in your fingers? Could you do your job? Could you, could you make money if you couldn't operate the keyboard? If you're a dentist, how could you pull teeth if your fingers if certainly became arthritic? Listen, there's deeply godly people that I know shook one's hand this morning that has a condition that takes the dexterity from your hands. It's either something that will depress me for the rest of my life or it'll make me depend on God, come on, like never before. Because we live in a broken world and you can either let these things bring you down or draw you closer to God. Listen, how could, whatever you do, how could you make decisions if you had dementia or Alzheimer's? You know people that used to just be on the top of their game, that be able to do everything in life, but now they can barely, come on, remember where they put their shoes and don't know if I took my medicine and don't know how to get home. You see, when we realize in life that everything I am, everything I have, and everything I can do is from God, come on, something takes over our life. It is the essence of humility which is the door and the pathway to greatness with God. Paul had it because Paul said the things in life were so bad it made me depend on God. Moses didn't have it. Paul did, but Moses didn't. I'm preaching better than you're amening this morning. But I want you to think about these things this morning. Here's another scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Nobody likes to talk about weakness. Nobody likes to talk about limitations. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, but Paul did, referring to what he called his thorn in the flesh. God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, and listen to this phrase, for my power is made perfect. My power can start where yours stops. Moses is saying, I can't do this. But God's saying, yes, you can. I just can't do it. I can't talk. If you will let me talk through you, you can make it. My power, I can do more through you than you could ever do on your own. And he keeps going with this thing. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I boast about my successes. How about you? I boast about my strengths. But Paul said, I boast in my weakness, so Christ's power may rest on me. And that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I'm weak, when I'm weak, so how could that be? It's you have tapped into a power source that's bigger than you. And sometimes you've got to get to the bottom where you realize I can't until God shows you that I can. 
And that's what we're talking about this morning because this is a door that Moses would eventually walk through. Do you realize that God could even use your fear to make you depend on Him more? Now listen, I know God's not all about fear. Scripture says in Timothy, God's not given us a... Yeah, but power, love, and of a sound mind. Hence, why would you ever want to go to a horror movie? Listen, kids, why would you want to go somewhere to make you afraid when God's not the one that's behind fear? Just a little extra right there. But it's something that draws you, but it's not a godly thing. But God can use fear. Listen, Psalm 56, 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. He's not saying I pull the covers over my head like that's going to do something for you. Come on. But when I'm afraid, I trust in you. And isn't that what we're talking about this morning? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He's going to sovereignly and supernaturally guide you through that river. See, fear, though in a bad thing, it can make you trust God more. So the things that make you afraid, you can either pull away and you stay up on the bank or you can say, Lord, I'm scared to death. See, we sometimes think faith is being full of, full of courage and nothing bothers me. But listen, some of the greatest people of faith have knees that are knocking. Some of the greatest people of faith don't want to do it. But guess what? Trust makes you go forwards. Let me go a little bit further here. We need God confidence instead of self-confidence. Let me say it again. We need more God confidence and less self-confidence. Because if all you have is self-confidence, and that's what the world teaches you. Listen, it's filtered through everything. And if all you have is self-confidence, sooner or later you will have to admit, I can't. Sooner or later you will reach your limitation. That's where Moses was in the wilderness when we read about him, and he just didn't see the way out. But with God confidence, we can humbly say, On my own I can't, but through Christ I can. You know the scripture in Philippians, it says, I can do But it didn't stop right there. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it just may be that if you're in the middle of fear, of, of some sense of inadequacy, that it could be that that's what God's trying to use to pull you to the other side. Remember the little story you used to read your kids about the little engine that could? How did it go? A little train, you know, getting ready to go up the hill. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Pretty soon he's in the top of the, of the mountains. I think I can. I think I can. I knew I could. I knew I could. I knew I could. I knew I could. Well, that's great to read your kids, but here's how real life goes. You look at that mountain in front of you and that white water, and you said, okay, here we go. I think I can. I've got a bachelor's degree. I've got a master's degree. I've got a Ph.D. I've got two Ph.D.s. Come on. I've got $10,000. got $100,000. i got $100 million. i got $100 billion. i got trillions of dollars. I can do it. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. But all of a sudden, the wheels of the train stop turning, and they start going backwards. I don't guess I could. I don't guess I could. I don't guess I could. But how about if you're a Christian? How about if your trust is in Christ? Through Christ I can. Through Christ I can. Through Christ I can. Through Christ I can. And before you know it, God gets you to the top of the mountain. It's like when you can't go farther, there's something that gets behind you. Another engine comes up and starts to push. And that's what you're looking for in life, is you're looking for the God push to take you where you can't take yourself. And that's what Moses is going to finally experience beyond our story. It's that God push. See, and that's not something that happens automatically. It happens when you're looking for God, come on, to connect in your life. Because if all you're looking to is yourself, you'll fall short because self-confidence will lead you lacking. But how many know God-confidence will take you to the end? Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand today. I'm going to close with this one. I, I guess I'll call it Moses' last excuse in talking to God. He simply said, I just can't do it. The water is just too rough. 
Exodus 4 verse 13, Moses said to God Almighty, please send someone else. Send somebody else. And the Bible says God finally got so angry that he took Aaron, which by the way, Aaron, though related, was not God's first choice. It wasn't it Aaron that made the golden calf. How many know when God has to start using second choices in your life, it's never going to be as good as it could? But there's something really, really cool about this story. Moses didn't stop in the wilderness. Somehow, and I don't know how fully this happened, but after we've read about Moses' excuses, in the next few verses you're going to read, Moses is in the river, come on, and he's talking to Pharaoh. And I don't know how he got there, but it's simply a choice, and it's a choice that you and I can make, is I'm going to put my trust in God. And lo and behold, Moses finds himself right there in Pharaoh's presence, knees knocking, but the power of God's beginning to rest on his life. He's come from a place of fear back to a place of faith. And he's come not as an independent, prideful man. Now he comes as a humble, broken man. And I want to tell you, a humble, broken man or woman will find the power of God on their life every time. God will resist the proud, but who's he give grace to? The humble. And that's what Mr. Moses came into. And before he know it, he knows it. Moses is turning water into blood. Moses has got bugs flying over Egypt. Come on. Moses has got darkness everywhere except in Goshen where Israel lives. And then one day, Moses said, look, Pharaoh, it's time to let us go. And Pharaoh says, get out of here. Come on. Everybody knows that God is the one that can bring us to the end. Give him a big hand today. God, didn't Jesus say, I'll never forsake you? I'll never leave you, but I'll always be with you, even to the end of the age. Even when you're going down that fast, last little waterfall, that little narrow chute, thinking, how can I make it? God is with us. Now, here's how we're going to close the service today. I'm going to, we're going to give an opportunity for God to impact your life in the place of prayer. There's a place for worship in church. There's a place for fellowship. There's a place for teaching the Word of God. But there's a personal place of connection in the place of prayer. In just a few moments, our prayer team is going to come and, and to the front because I know in many of your lives, this message has awakened something for you. And you realize that your bank is up on the, or your boat is up on the bank. And you need to make some kind of step to God. Otherwise, all the sermon does is become information as opposed to that thing which God uses to get you to the next place in your life. You may want to just take somebody by the hand and just say, I'm ready to let my faith live again. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm ready to just trust God rather than just trying to make it all on my own. It could be a defining moment. I believe the Lord spoke to me yesterday in the place of prayer that many were here today that have lost hope. Many that are discouraged. Many that are just down. But something's happening today. And I believe if you give God a chance, He'll really do something for you. Listen, we'll pray about anything. I don't care if you're sick, if you've got needs. If you're just hurting inside, someone will pray with you today and take a minute. The most important thing they'd like to pray with today is if your relationship with God's not where it needs to be. You may not even know today if you died, if you'd go to heaven or hell. Can I tell you, friend, absolutely nothing's more important. And just by taking communion, I mean, no, that's a good thing, but that won't get you to heaven. Coming to church won't get you to heaven. Giving a couple bucks or all your money in an offering, that won't get you to heaven. The thing that gets you to heaven is by putting your trust in Christ, receiving Him as your Savior, and following Him. You might want to make that step today. Whatever it is, listen, you can meet God right here. Once you stand to your feet, I want to pray for you first, and then our prayer team will come. Let's all go to God in prayer just a moment. And I just want to ask you, what has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you about in today's message? Would you just simply take a minute and say yes to God? Would you just take a moment and say, Lord, yes. 
For Lord, I want to pray for myself first and for all of us that are here today that wrestle with fear. I want to pray that fear would not define us, but faith would not, but faith would. I want to pray that we wouldn't live in fear. We might visit it on occasion, but we wouldn't stay there. Fear would cause us to trust you more. I want to pray that you break the stronghold of fear in people's lives. If you're here this morning and you just are tormented by fear, I want you to just lift your heads to, hands to heaven right now and just say, God, I ask you to supernaturally break that thing. It can be a demonic bondage. Fear can be something the devil uses. That's right. We're just going to believe God that something supernatural will happen. Lord, I want to pray for all of us that are here today that wrestle with personal inadequacies, that we just kind of don't know what to do, and we just feel like we're at the end of our rope, and, and we're kind of looking in the mirror like Moses did rather than looking to God. I'm going to pray that today, Lord, that we would shift our look and we would start to depend on you more. Depend on ourselves less and depend on you more. But we just welcome you. Come on, everyone, this morning. Say, Lord, I welcome you in my life. I want to make it to the end of my journey. I want to make it to all the way to the time to pick me up at the end of the river. I don't want to be scared to get in, but I want to trust you while I'm riding the currents of life wherever they lead me. So help me, Holy Spirit, do this thing. And I pray today in Jesus' name. Thank God. We're just going to begin to worship now. We'll worship through one song, and after that song, you'll be free to be dismissed. But I know there's many people here today who are about to make a connection with God. Our prayer team is going to come to the front. They'd be delighted to pray for you. As they're making their way up here, I want to encourage you just to come and follow them and let somebody pray with you this morning. Come on, Pastor, just begin to worship the Lord. We're going to sing, but we just want to invite you to pray. and Just let somebody believe God with you, that God's hand will be in your life, that God will help you, that God will do for you what you've been unable to do for yourself. You take a step and God will meet you today. God bless you.